Again, to the Lucky Mojo Hooter Rootwork Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Evan Lionheart of readingsbyevan.com from New Jersey, and in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-host, Catherine Ironwood of luckymojo.com in Forestville, California, Conjurman of Conjurman Consulting in Mission Viejo, California, and this week's special guest. Stuart Palm of Third Sight Studio of StuartPalm.com in Hong Kong, bringing us today's topic of demons, fiends, and hellhounds. They will take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African folk magic practices of hoodoo, conjure, or root work as divined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first, let's catch up with our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood and Contraman. Ms. Kat? Hi, thank you, Evan. Nice to be here. How are things in your side of the world? <laughs> Evan, are you there? Oh, I am so sorry. <laughs> uh, don't mute yourself, baby. I'm giving you a I'm giving you a shout out here. Um, how are things in on the east coast of America? Things are excellent on the east coast of America. Thank you, Miss Cat. I am just enjoying and preparing for winter, uh, going over some of the astrology for December, and just ready to kiss 2020 goodbye. <laughs> How about you? <laughs> oh, I'm fine. Things here are um, cold, but um, we've been having strange power outages. Um, you know, it's just the world, and it's, and it's crazy, you know, 2020 can't end with uh, without a few just random power outages and phone line outages. Well, it just has to be that way. <laughs> I've been doing a lot of readings lately for folks. And um, as usual, as I've been reporting, the readings have been, in some cases, pretty desperate. In some cases, um, um, a bit of optimism. But I- I'd say I'm getting more calls from Capricorns than usual, and they're all complaining, and they have good reason to complain. And um, I'm telling them all, just hang on, hang on till the first day of spring. It'll be better. It'll be better, I promise. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I've been doing a, a bit of work with um, a wonderful young man who I'm getting to know quite a bit better, and he's a um, he's a computer expert, and his name is Evan Lionheart. And um, I'll tell you something. He's more than just an announcer here. Evan and his... Um, Brother Dom and I have, and Shiva have been planning a kind of a, a re, um, I don't know what you want to call it, refreshment, <laughs> reconstruction, <laughs> new a new linkage system for all of the many web pages that I've been running and that Shiva's been running for the past 25 years. 
I put my first web page up in 1994 at a, not a site that I owned. It was a university site that let me have a little corner of their reality. And I've been, um, you know, working my way toward um, a lot more web pages, as you know, times go on. So we're going to be working, and I'll be reporting on this, as Evan has already started um, analysis, and so has his brother, Dom, started analysis on a re um, coding and a remake of the Crystal Silence League site to make it a little more user-friendly. And also um, probably going to be breaking out some of my websites that were originally part of Lucky Mojo because back in the day in the 90s, websites cost so much. Just to buy a, a domain was $250. Now it's, you know, like 9 bucks, <laughs> And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it was $250 a month, $250 a month to run it. So that's oh, wow. a long time. So I made all of these mm-hmm. sites like Lucky W, Amulet Archive, Blue, Blues Lyrics and Hoodoo, Sacred Sex, Sacred Landscape. All of them were made part of Lucky Mojo, so I only had to pay one bill. But um, I'm going to be breaking them out into their own domains. They may end up with their own, uh, probably will end up with their own Facebook um, pages that you can follow. And the idea is to try to... Um, get a wider social media base. Mystic Tea Room is another that has been broken out, was one of the first to actually get its own domain. But they're all going to be interlinked, and Evan is in charge of it all. So thank you, Evan. Oh, <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for trusting me with this. Yeah, and I'm I'm working real hard on a sort of a system analysis of what needs to go where and how they're going to interact. Um, some of them are going to be Excuse me. Some of them are going to be wiki pages like the Air site or like Mystic Tea Room or like Wikipedia because wiki pages are easier to update, change, and um, remediate any errors. And I I prefer mm-hmm. that to HTML. I know that's very technical. Probably Doc Murphy understood what I just said, maybe. <laughs> but um, eventually everyone will... Um, I get it. Laurel Weber in the in the chat said, that's cool. Just visited the Crystal Silence League site. Been struggling to get rid of old prayers that no longer apply, but it is such a good service. Well, that's been the problem with the Crystal Silence League. It's not as user-friendly, and as the um, years have piled up, uh, there's no way to manage your own account, and that's what we're really looking for now. People can find their prayer by number, if you remember that your prayer was prayer number 1,472, you can delete it. But there's no way to manage your account. And that's what we're hoping that Dom will do. So, yes, it's all going to happen. Crystal Silence League is a great service. And um, as it stands right now, Crystal Silence League is a service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches, and which is also what funds AIR the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, but the Crystal Silence League was originally funded out of uh, Nagashiva's in my pocket. We just poured the money into it, and we're going to be doing that again, uh, just you know, just as a donation to the world. I hope you all like it, because the AISC uh, can't really afford the high-level coding and all that it's going to take to remediate it. We will be putting up donation buttons and other things like that, so um, be prepared to see a little begging there's going to be uh, donation buttons on a number of these sites. If you like, you know, the Mystic Tea Room, if you like the Crystal Silence League, we may ask you to throw in a buck if you feel good. It won't be uh, required for reading the sites. They'll all be free. But we want to um, 
have a little bit of income because we're providing tens of thousands of web pages now free. And I, I think that most of you all know that there are um, maybe 20,000 pages. I don't know. At this point, the, the number is ungodly mm-hmm, large. Mm-hmm. And it's all about folk magic. It's all about magic. It's all about divination. It's all there to uphold um, you know, spirituality in a uh, interfaith manner. Doesn't matter what religion you have, and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't require initiation. It doesn't require money, so it's all there for everybody. But we sure want to get, if we could just get one buck for every web page, man, that we'd have uh, enough money to really revise the websites. I don't think we'll get a buck for every. We'll probably get ten cents for every page. <laughs> and Evan well, says we'll in chat. <laughs> Evan says in chat, he, meaning his brother, he does the heavy uh, bulk coding. I just do the pretty stuff. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Evan does the pretty <laughs> stuff. <laughs> so, yeah. All righty. Um, that's what I've been up to. A lot of lot of um, coding, a lot of everything. Oh, Doc Murphy says, what operating system? Why, Macintosh is, of course. But um, mm-hmm. that's, um, you know, that's what it's all about. <laughs> All righty. Uh, so, how are things going with you, Contramano? Things are things are going quite well. Uh, like you said, people are definitely coming for readings and trying to figure out if the future is going to be as wicked as 2020 was. So, de- the uh, the year ahead readings are very much the the focus right now. Everyone is just anxious. 2020 sucked. Is my 2021 going to be as bad? Am I going to keep my job? So lots of sort of anxious uh, readings. There's been a, uh, a definite, a definite environment or, or tone to them. Um, and so, but I've, I've always enjoyed doing life readings and, and year ahead readings. I think they generally are quite good because I, I really focus on what you can do in order to avoid the stuff that comes uh, your way and how to take advantage of good timing and whatnot. But a lot of people are really anxious about what their job prospects, what their money prospects, their financial prospects are going to look like in 2021. Are they going to get that job? Are they going to, they spent 2020 without a partner. Is 2021 going to be the year they finally find someone so people are, are having sort of COVID-related anxieties, and the readings very much speak to that. So 2021 is just around the corner. Hold on tight. We're getting to the end. <laughs> but not without a bit of a bang. I don't think 2020 is going with a whimper. No, it's, a, it's really, it's, you know, it's just, it, it it's so awful. It's become a joke. You know, it's well. I mean, did you did you hear the latest news? Is Giuliani got uh, COVID? What? Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> just just yeah. today, just today. It's it's one of those moments where you kind of go, whoever you couldn't write this TV show. Twenty twenty was a TV show. No one would believe it. I mean, I mean, the entire Trump administration has COVID at this point in time. His chief lawyer has COVID nineteen, and you're going. Come on. Uh, well, I we all wish him uh, we all wish him just desserts, you know. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Uh, I look forward uh, to the movie about Giuliani. Uh, yeah, uh, really. He does eventually that's biopic about him. 
Well, you know, the, the funny thing is I did some trading cards with Giuliani on them back in the day with my um, former husband, um, Dean Mullaney. We had a comic book and trading card company called Eclipse Enterprises, and we did a series of trading cards called Rotten to the Core, and it was about New York politics. <laughs> New York is called the Big Apple, and um, and Giuliani is on the Rotten to the Core. We already knew back then. You know what I'm saying? This is like, this is like I don't know, 1989, 1990, 91, sometime in that era. Yeah, he's he's already on a trading card, man. all right um so let's bring in our wonderful guest now remember i started off by saying how are things on the east coast evan so now we're going all the way to hong kong i don't know if this is halfway around the world or more than halfway around the world but we went from evan on the east coast Ali is bi-coastal i'm on the west coast and now all across the pacific hello Stuart palm Hello. Welcome, welcome. I am thir- thank you, thank you. I'm 13 hours in the future. That's where I am. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. I'm, I'm 7.13 a.m. right now. Oh my Monday gosh. morning. Monday morning. You got up early for us. What a sweet thing yeah, to do. Yeah, yeah. Is it, does it look better tomorrow than it does today? <laughs> Currently, yes. Uh, it's a pleasant day. The skies are clear of clouds. Uh, there's a lovely sort of uh, that time of day where things are turning from blue to sort of orange light. It's, it's great. Mm-hmm. It's a great time. Uh-huh. And uh, right. we we are we are in our own constant ebb and flow of um, viral cases. In just like the rest of the world, we have we have because we are a small island state connected to China um, and we can close our borders pretty easily. Hong Kong has not been the worst hit in the world. It's, it's, it's maintained relatively small uh, cases of of COVID Um, also probably helps that it's like the feng shui capital of the planet. Um, (laughs) If you look at things that way, Uh, but people here wear their masks voluntarily before even this became a thing. Like people already were like, oh, there's a thing in China. Let everybody wear your masks. And it's been that way for over, you know, almost a year now. Uh, so I think that that's a big part of it. So people should wear their masks uh, as they're out and about and, uh, be, you know, wash their hands a lot. And uh, we we are on, I think, fourth wave right now. But if you compare that to what's going on in a lot of other parts of the world, it's relatively small. Like we'll have 10 new cases or something and it'll be a big deal. So they mm. open and close restaurants. They open and close mm. things. Right now you can go to a restaurant two people at a time and they close everything at 10 o'clock and no bars are open. So like that's how they maintain sort of order. It, it's interesting. <laughs> it's, wow, I, two people my per restaurant. Primary, wow. My primary form of income, you know, generally is uh, – corporate events and destination events in particular. So none of that has happened in a year. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I've had to be creative. Mm. I have been entertaining at a restaurant off and on, and that's been fun. And yes, of course, readings I've uh, picked up. And so has hypnotherapy, Mm -hmm. which makes So you you, you adapt. You change. That's Mm -hmm. part of the game. Wow. 
we're, well, we're all we're very, all kind of know, talking in the chat room. It must be nice to have a government that functions <laughs> that takes these things. Well, seriously. I don't know if that's <laughs> true here. If you look at if you look at the the protests and the way, I mean, like this is there. I don't know that there is a government that fully functions in the world. I, right now, everybody's readapting and changing and. I, it makes sense, you know. We should, and and I, you know, I think we're going. We are going to a better place. You know, I was I was talking about that with a client of mine um, today. I, I did a reading for her earlier in the morning, and um, she happens to work for a very large grocery store chain in Southern California called Ralph's. Uh, most people mm, yeah, know yeah, what I'm yeah. talking about, right? And Ralph's opened up a um, a pickup system, you know, curbside pickup. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they they got in some, you know, machinery and little conveyor belts and little things and baskets and, you know, there's a whole they, you know, they invested some money in it. And what she told me today blew my mind. The pickup delivery service system is turning seventh in in one shot one Ralphs. Now this is not all the Ralphs's, right? It's just the one she works in. It's turning $7,000 a day. And all of the other departments, in other words, the meat department, the pastry department, the vegetable department, none of those other departments has topped $1,000 a day in weeks. They're mm. like in the 900 to $1,000 a day. Now, altogether, they make more than that 7000 But that was a mind blower. And they are running this thing, stupidly, on overtime salaries because they haven't made the corporate decision to actually commit to it. Oh, wow. They just, yeah, yeah. They just got in a new manager, strangely enough, right? The old manager abruptly retired. I'm gone. I'm out of here. And the new manager came in. He's a Korean man. And he goes, well, this is the new reality. We're now going to um, increase our curbside pickup and, you know, personal shopping because people will not come back to the stores after the COVID pandemic ends. They've seen mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the new reality, right? They don't, who wants to stand in a store and push around a cart? Where's the freaking thrill in that, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I do. That was – you do? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I say that because I like to, like, pick out vegetables and fruits and things, you know? Like, ah. you get whatever's mm-hmm. delivered to you, you're like, this is a terrible avocado. Yes, <laughs> so, I, I agree okay. with you on that. Vegetables, <laughs> vegetables and fruit, not so much. But, you know, if you're buying, you know, frozen meals or if you're buying, um, yeah. oh, my gosh, uh, you know, even potatoes, you know, I can make it. with Their choice of potatoes is just fine. But, you know, maybe that would have liked a little bigger potatoes, maybe a little smaller, but I can handle it. But, um, but things like, you know, a quart of milk, all that stuff, um, yeah, I think they should put the vegetables outdoors like they have in California still to this day, you know, where the you know, mm-hmm. roadside vegetable stamp, vegetables and fruit outdoors under a canopy. You pick your own and you go get your other stuff that they've picked for you. Why do you want to go? make it be a warehouse? Don't bother with these aisles and aisles of cereal. One, one box of Raisin Bran is just like every other box of Raisin Bran, you know? <laughs> anyway, I, I there's a there's a... A webcast called uh, Freakonomics, uh, rather that are a podcast called Freakonomics. It's run by, guess what, economical guys, you know, people in the economics field, and they were talking about, you know, what is the future? What is the future of, of shopping, 
<laughs> what is the future of advertising? We're looking at really the beginning of something that I don't think we're going to go back to the way we were. Maybe mm. I'm going to be wrong, but I don't think so. I think this is inaugurating another um, step on the spiral, you know, of evolution. And I don't see that people are going to, you know, want to. When the supermarket started, I was a kid. First supermarket I went to, I was uh, eight years old. They didn't have supermarkets. They had little Chinese grocery shops in Berkeley, always run by Cantonese Chinese people. And they, you know, they'd been there. I mean, they were Chinese, but they'd been in Berkeley since the 1850s. You know, but but they ran the grocery shops on the poorer part of um, Berkeley, the not the upper class part. And um, mm. you just go from one Chinese grocery to another. They all had you know good vegetables, good fruit. They had all really nice produce, and they had all the, you know, Wonder Bread or whatever else you wanted that was American food. I never saw a supermarket till I was eight. We never had, you didn't have those, they didn't have aisles that you could push a cart down. They were just, you went in and you could, you know, a little girl like me, you handed the man your shopping list and he'd say, just wait here, honey, and he'd bring you all the shopping, put it in a bag, take your money, and he'd give you a free piece of candy. I want to go back to shopping like that again, right? <laughs> and that is the equivalent of curbside shopping, right? Because that's what it is, you know. So just saying, I, I don't think we're going to go back. Well, mm. I'm sorry. I'm just being uh, reminiscing here about about. Um, I do I do miss restaurants. Can I get a Can <laughs> I get a shout out? Anybody else miss restaurants? <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I, I miss them too. Well, if you can, if you can do uh, 14 days of quarantine, you could come to Hong Kong, uh, and and come to restaurants because we still we still have them. <laughs> <laughs> You're lucky. <laughs> yeah. There's just limitations, but they're still there. You can still yeah, go. I've been posting um, 1905 postcards of restaurant interiors. <laughs> and, just, and the weird thing is, on my Facebook, um, you know, I post, you know, here's a tea room from 1915, you know, and it was, oh, it's so beautiful. Oh, I wish I could be there. We're all we're all jonesing for these antique restaurants. It's really funny. Well, let's talk about our topic. Our topic is demons and devils, imps and um, negative spirits, bad spirits, and trickster spirits. Before we start, this is um, Stuart brought us this topic. But I'm, before we start, I'm going to say something just to get us clear on this topic. Not every culture believes in demons and devils and imps in the same way as every other culture. So to one culture, um, they are, you know, fallen angels. And to another culture, they are nature spirits that are not particularly friendly to humans. In other words, rain or lightning type spirits or, you know. To other people, they are um, part of nature, part of the wild woods, the wood spirits, demons. And to others, they are the disembodied um, negativity of people, either people who have deceased or they are spirits that come from a a dimension or other place that is not pleasant, such as spirits of hell, spirits of of the underworld, spirits of the overworld, aliens from outer space who poke needles in you. All of these come under this sort of broad category, demons, devils, and imps. So um, I'm going to turn this over to Stuart and Tell us what you think about it all. 
Well, that's, that's a great place to start, and I'm glad that you said that because that was what I was wondering the angle we were going to take in, from, from the perspective of Lucky Mojo and Hoodoo and, and all of that because I think I'm a little bit different probably from what the norm would be for – well, I don't even know. I'm not sure because mm-hmm. I, I am a pantheistic sort of believer and liver. Uh, you know, I, I've got Ganesh on my altar too. And mm-hmm. – uh, and so, you know, as well as uh, Lao Tzu and some other teachers and people mm-hmm. that have worked for me, Thor is there as well. But there's a Chinese equivalent to Thor. So okay. there are some international things that, that do exist. My cosmology is more hermetic in base. So I look at all of these things as energy. And the energy in the Taoist tradition has the positive and the negative side. And the negative side of any energy becomes what we would think of as an imp force, a demonic force, or, you know, mm-hmm. things that do not influence us in a positive way that we would like to not have a lot of. But we find you find that in yourself, too. And, and we could mm-hmm. say that is a, a denom- demonic possession in a way of your, your own negative side and, and the shade that you can create. Uh, and, and I think what's interesting in hoodoo is that there is use of this, of this energy they they do have you know there is curses there is things that uh mm-hmm. that are not positive in nature and um and warding against those things and i put those in the same category as where demons come from uh and 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 you know satan and lucifer and all of those stories as well are all part of that darker side of of Spiritual energy, I would say. Um, also, this one, this topic was important to me at the time because I've been hanging out with Satanists lately, lately and talking to them. Mm. And uh, they have a whole different perspective on uh, what those things mean uh, in terms of that they believe in the personal power. And I find it interesting the way that they take on it. I, don't, I won't dwell there, but uh, I'm working mm-hmm. on a project with, with uh, the Church of Satan. So... The, <laughs> That's another thing altogether. So I have been looking into different powerful demons and and Satan figures uh, because what I'm doing is illustrating a deck of cards for them that has demonic images in it uh, as the Kings of Jackson stuff. And um, what I think is great about their perspective is that you can take those entities and energies and see them as positive for for your intention. If you have a particular perspective, those things actually can become allies. Um, mm-hmm. Now, it's a dangerous place to, to look into possibly, but uh, it is something to keep in mind that that, that, that does, um, you know, that does exist. And we do do that sometimes unintentionally as well. Um, so for me, knowing Names of dark forces gives you the ability to avoid having to deal with them or using them mm-hmm. to your advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure that's a lot of things to respond to. <laughs> well, I'm going to uh, say something here about this. And uh, Doc Murphy has said also, don't forget the gorgons and harpies. And um, Nagashiva said, and don't forget the hellhounds. So yeah, of many of these... <laughs> Um, many of these are um, regional, cultural, and local in nature. 
And the idea of vengeful spirits, which is what Doug Murphy said, as opposed to um, spirits who simply are transgressive um, is you know, quite a difference. What I'm going to say about hoodoo, because uh, you kind of left the door open on that thought, is that in hoodoo there is a kind of a conflation between African, what we might call mm-hmm. negative, negative energy or... Mm-hmm. Um, harsh energy beings, and the Christian Satan, which is not the same mm-hmm. as the Jewish Satan either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a different mm-hmm. Satan. Um, so, And that is usually called the devil, which is a colloquial English term. And so uh, the in Hoodoo, there is a great partaking of the devil as being what I would call an Anglo-Saxon devil has been somewhat interjected into the African devil. Did you mm-hmm. agree with me on that, Ali? A hundred percent, hundred percent. I think yep. you're, you're hitting the nail right on the head that the devil in hoodoo doesn't quite map out onto the sort of Anglican idea of, of the devil. And in fact, uh, far more aligns with the sort of ambiguous entity of nature, entity of vengeance than a pure force of chaos and evil. Mhm. Yeah. I I I think of it as the Anglo-Saxon um woods demon. It has had a huge influence on hoodoo. Yeah. So yeah. that you go to meet the black man at the crossroads and this yeah. is outside yeah. the town, outside the village, the, you know, the uh, but that is not the same as, you know, sacrificing a virgin on an altar while dressed in black right. and upside right. down cross and chanting the mass backwards in Paris, you know. Mm-hmm. Slightly <laughs> well, different. <laughs> <laughs> even e- even even the invocation of devils in conjure is often done to drive out other forces of evil. So a very common practice of if you're dealing with an evil neighbor or you're de- dealing with an evil entity is to work with things like run, devil, run, or to invoke the red devil, which is generally a mm-hmm. candle spell, done to drive out other forces of evil. So the devil has... Uh, the devil and devils have a particular function within hoodoo that's not always uh, aligned with what we would consider chaos and evil, uh, the source of, you know, the the adversary of God, but instead fulfills the sort of function as that nature deity or the deity of, you know, vengeance. Um, and in particular, the hellhounds play a big role in this. Hellhounds is an oddly forgotten aspect of hoodoo, uh, probably mm-hmm. as a result of the you know the rise of candle magic. But very old spells involved invoking hellhounds against people, and they're almost always about justice or vengeance. You go to the crossroads, you go to tree roots, or you go to the graveyard. And the graveyard is kind of a variety of different ways of invoking them. You either find the grave of an actual hound, it has to be a hunting hound, or you shake the cemetery stone of an angry dead or a murdered victim, the idea being that the murdered victim will send a hellhound up from wherever they are, or you actually work with the body of the murdered victim by placing something in their hands before they are buried. The idea, therefore, being that they can help find whoever that mm-hmm. murderer was. So Hellhound has this mm-hmm. uh, w- of, uh, associating with justice or getting vengeance on behalf of somebody who has been wronged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. 
they, they as the as the old Robert Johnson song says, there there's a hellhound on my trail. Exactly. Yeah. So this is this dates also back to the concept of um, hounds being used to hunt down escaped slaves. And so in Hoodoo, it took on this form of, even after slavery, of the hound of hell that never gives up and searches and searches mm-hmm. and brings the person to justice. So very much a, a an older way of working. Another thing about um, the devil, and I, I have to say that uh, it came into Hoodoo uh, through some Germanic ideas. And you can find these in reading Germanic folklore, uh, and also Jewish uh, folklore, or especially Ashkenazi Jewish folklore, the idea that if you have a tangle in your hair and you don't carefully comb or brush it out, but if you cut it, you've set a demon loose in the room. And it's this very minor demon. It's the demon of tangled hair, but it causes problems. And what it will cause other problems will be that when you churn the butter, the butter won't come or whatever. These are household demons, you could say. I also mm-hmm, want to mention, mm-hmm. because we haven't, is uh, the subject of jinn. And jinns mm, come jinn. in. Jinns are discarnate spirits that come in, I guess you could say, allegiances or alliances. There are good jinns, neutral jinns, and bad jinns. Mm-hmm, is that not mm-hmm. correct, Holly? Yeah, jinn yeah, map, right. map out far more with the Mediterranean concept of the uh, daemon. They're sort of spirits or alternative forms of life that exist and they don't they're not quite evil they're not quite good they have different alliances that shift they actually are, have some relations to the traditional hebrew and biblical concept of demons more than they do the sort of medieval interpretations that emerges as sort of monstrous beings of the shedin sort of animalistic type creatures but the jinn also uh, fulfill this kind of fascinating, ambiguous role. You can summon jinn, you can form alliances with them. Some have to be exercised and driven away from the home, but others exist in the home as helpful jinn. There's a whole tradition of leaving out certain types of offerings or food for the jinn of the home so that they protect the home when you're away and keep it safe from other jinn who might be <laughs> mischievous or dangerous to you. Wow. Can I, I've just got to ask, what kind of food offering? So common is uh, water, dates, milk, and honey are the four common offerings given to gin. Okay, say that mm. again. Water, dates. Water, dates, milk, and Milk honey. and honey. I'm typing it in there. There it is. Part of our reality. <laughs> Shiva already <laughs> beat me to it. He types faster than I do. <laughs> All right, folks. Now, um... I'm going to say something else about um, the Red Devil. You mentioned that, Ali, Red Devil. Red Mm -hmm, Devil used to be the brand name of a brand of a lie. The name still exists as a label, but it's not what it used to be. It was a can of lie. You could use it for soap making. You could use it for drain unplugging, but most people didn't have um, plumbing in the house at the time. Uh, But it could be used also to... um, Oh, to decay and destroy stumps of trees. There was a whole lot of reasons to use lies. We used all around the uh, household and the farm. And Red Devil Lie was a very popular brand, probably the most popular brand. And it was quite common in Hoodoo to take four cans of Red Devil Lie and to bury them at the four corners of the house, outdoors, 
facing with the devil facing outward, so sort of diagonally outward. And this red devil was to protect your home from other devils. In other words, it was to have the red devils yep. uh, set up a barrier. And um, uh, it, it was very sad to me when red devil uh, changed to a plastic can because the idea would be that this can would eventually rust and the, and the you know it would the lie isn't going to hurt the it's just going to you know it's, it's not a contaminant and um, and so the idea was that this red devil lie would like be there and would be protecting you but then when they got to plastic I'm like I don't know about bearing plastic yeah, I put, it, yeah. put it in a metal can for a while I would put it in old baking powder cans and tins you know and and say, okay, I'll take one can of it and divide it in four. And then I had to draw my own red devil on it because it didn't have a really pretty red devil anymore. And then it just stopped being what it was. So I don't talk about it much anymore, but if any of you guys want to practice the old, old old-fashioned work of hoodoo, you want that red devil lie, make your own label. (laughs) At this this point, they've gone corporate. The Red Devil was also yep. used in, in, in love spells, Red Devil candles, long before the Intranquil Spirit, which it really comes out of Latin American mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. folk Catholic magic into hoodoo, and has become really, really popular nowadays. People work with the Red Devil candle, very common practice, and the Red Devil to drive a person to love you. The idea being that the Red Devil was more forceful in lust and love matters and the old spell or the old conjuration involved grab them by the hair and drag mm-hmm. them to me. Um, and that was the way that people worked before in Tranquil Spirit was the thing in Hoodoo, is you work with the Red Devil in order to coercively uh, drive someone to love and lust. Yeah, um, that's true. The, you know, the, it's interesting that with the um, uh, coming of more... Um, Latin cultural folks into the U.S. bringing their own traditions with them, this infusion Mm -hmm. of what I call pseudo-Catholicism or faux-Catholicism, not to say folk-Catholicism, into hoodoo has been proceeding apace. You can see it, you know. And the intranquil spirit is one of those. That is, um, it comes from um, Mexican culture, primarily mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and in Latin American culture and it's very different and you, you know you're absolutely right um, and th- there's a I mean I'm not saying we must draw the line and maintain hoodoo with purity because hoodoo's always been flexible and everybody's all cultures and all nations are flexible meanwhile um, uh, people from a Hispanic background are adopting hoodoo things too I mean it's it's a it's a cultural trade-off but yeah the old devil um, I think owes quite a lot to the um, Central and Europe, Northern European devil in, in Hoodoo. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, so the the idea of the intranquil spirit comes from the idea of Catholic purgatory and not from hell. Mm-hmm. And um, it's said specifically that it is a spirit that wanders between um, hell and heaven or between heaven and earth or between earth and hell and doesn't settle. And so that's a purgatorial spirit. In Asian cultures, there, there's a lot of figures that we would recognize. If we saw the picture of it, we would say, oh, that's a devil. Um, but usually mm-hmm. they, are, they are representations of um, energies and forces and creatures, you could say, uh, that are used to scare away negative forces for whatever the spaces you're in. 
Um, mm-hmm. So you can find in Tibetan uh, culture, there's a lot of things that look very devil-like, but and, and skulls and stuff. But those are actually good. They're for our side. Uh, you know, for for <laughs> I want to protect my space. I put up this picture. This this entity is going to help me keep the negative stuff at bay. Um, another one, like like Kali, comes to mind as well. Uh, she mm-hmm. represents um, a, a very positive force. She's great, mm-hmm. but she looks terrifying, <laughs> which, you know, that's the perspective is we put these, you know, I have actually a collection of uh, Tibetan masks in my space that, uh, that, that that's their function. They scare away negative and evil forces. I have a, a print from a, a Vietnamese um, tribal culture as well that looks like a devil holding axes. Um but he's you put him at your door and you keep the negative forces away. He's a, a guardian in, in a sense. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think that what Hoodoo talks about is similar in, in essence, that you can use these energies uh, as well as keep negative ones away and, and that, that it's all part of that sort of um, protection and balance. Yeah, there's a, a the Mahakala um, uh, character who is like this sort of scary demonish face um that it but it appears on these um amulets out of uh, tibet and nepal and so forth um Mm -hmm. and it's it's used to um take away a child's boo-boos you know a child gets a little bruise or a little cut or a little scrape and the mother rubs the child's injury with the smooth side of this scary demon-looking head, and um, it's to um, cure the child. You know. Yeah, um, I, I have Mahakala right at right at my door. <laughs> yeah, Mahakala yeah. is great. Um, yeah, Mahakala and those charms are a, a those big, charms are called mellows. The eyes and, and skulls. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think I can put through um, uh, a little. A link for those in the chat room. The Melos Mahakala Healing Zodiac Calendar Talisman Amulet from Nepal. It was hard to describe that in one sentence. <laughs> so, um, and it's but the idea is that this demon is you know willing to serve by keeping other demons away. It also has calendar on it. And um, the calendar is kind of cool because it it takes the idea that you know you may not be cured today, but in time, time will cure you. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Time, time is good. Yeah. It's interesting that this idea of demons protecting for other demons is probably one of the oldest ideas within the concept of religion itself. We forget about it because I think a lot of our ideas of religion are shaped by the sort of Protestant Catholic ideas of the Middle Ages. But Mm -hmm. take, for example, Mesopotamian religion. The primary ways of protecting yourself from the demons of plague are the demons of the house. So Pazuzu, Mm -hmm. which is anyone who's seen The Exorcist, right, is the demon that possesses the little girl. But Pazuzu is the most malign demon in Hollywood history because Pazuzu, the dog-headed demon, is actually a guardian demon. It's the demon you want in the house that'll keep you safe from Tiamat. So this idea mm-hmm. of wrathful spirits, of liminal spirits, of the demonic entities that protect you from other more dangerous entities is found worldwide, whether you're looking at ancient Mesopotamian religion, you're looking at hoodoo. The idea of working with the devil is not 
a taboo in traditional conjure practices. He's the go-to guy when you need to do stuff and get things done fast. In fact, the old adage we learned when we were practicing conjure in Virginia was you ask God, but if God takes a little bit, then you turn to the devil because the devil Mm -hmm. will work a little bit faster. And so there's this idea that the devil isn't a bad guy. He's just more transactional than God is and maybe the sort of, you know, the feisty dog you want fighting the other feisty dog. So there, this is a, a sometimes for people who are coming uh, in from a tradition that isn't familiar with this type of spirit work, it takes a little bit of readjusting because there is a taboo. Yep. The devil is scary. The demon is scary. Even the word demon has certain connotations in the word devil. So it takes a bit of rethinking of what you're talking about when you say devil or demon. You're working fundamentally with a primal entity, with an entity that is from a sort of liminal space. They're associated with crossroads, cemeteries, forests, doorways, etc. But they have a function. They do serve a function within the world. Yeah, there's another aspect to um, some of these folkloric devils. Depending on the culture, they may be associated with a certain animal or bird or something. Yes. And yes. one of the but but again to show how relative cultures are in the Germanic um cultures if a bat flies into the house it is said that that, that is the devil. And devils bats mm. are associated with devils and demons whereas in Asia bats are lucky. And yeah. to see bats or especially to see five bats is considered very very lucky. So you have to kind of embrace the culture that you represent, were mm-hmm. born into, or have adopted, or you have to take a kind of a neutral point of view. In um, British folklore, I, where I think bats may be a little less common, birds flying into the house are considered to be a, a foretelling of death, but the birds are not considered to be devils the way a bat is. So there is a negativity to it, but it's it's you try to get the bird out alive and then no one will die. But if the bird dies in the house, someone will die in the house. So there's a a, a bad luck, good luck thing associated with um, animals coming in, flying animals coming into your space that don't belong there. Hmm. But if they are bats... It's quite common... Go ahead. It's quite common uh, here in Hong Kong and and in China to have a bat image on the the entryway to your house. So a lot of uh, mm-hmm. uh, entry stones will be carved with a bat. A lot of welcome mat sort of spots will have a bat somewhere in them because it's, it, it calls in prosperity. It's a positive, lucky thing for your house. Yes, we, um, we have a wood carving from Bali of a what I would call a bat-headed demon. It's a, it's a bat, but it's been more like made like a mask. And we have that mm. in the entrance to the old part of our house. Our house was made of it's actually two houses that got grafted together, and then a sort of wraparound porch got put around one end of one of them. So the porch is walled in, but the back door to the kitchen, which was originally the front door to the house, whatever, it, we have the bat over that. And uh, and it it's a it's protective. It's a protector protector bat. In in and Chinese culture, the, there are a few regular practices that are very much part mm-hmm. of daily life still uh, um, that um, you do to ward off evil spirits uh, that are also mixed into celebrations um, and, and times of uh, gathering. Uh, so when you want to get rid of any 
negative stuff, you commonly will play a uh, not a gong as in terms of like the gong you you think of that goes wah 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 wah, wah but uh, as a different gong that's more like ding 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 ding. What you'd think of as like a Chinese gong. That mm-hmm. loud noise and banging pots together is supposed to scare away negative dragons and negative demons and negative energies in general. And then you also wear bright colors. So if you wear bright red, bright pink, uh, purples, um, even bright green, these sort of bright colors keep away negative forces. Um, mm-hmm. and that's, I mean, every time that there is a family birthday party, you're supposed to wear uh, bright colors. It's a celebration of that person. You're keeping the evil forces away as you're doing it. Um, Chinese New Year, everybody wears red, but it's really just about wearing bright colors to keep the, the negative forces away. Um, mm-hmm. Interestingly, I, I recently, um, there was a, a death in our family, and um, so it was the first time that I have been part of a Chinese funeral ritual where you light candles and incense and you keep out the negative forces for the path to, to have the path to the other side be open for the, the, you know, the person who's passed on. And so there's a lot of traditions that I knew about, but I hadn't fully been a part of the ritual until that point um, with a large gathering that, that gave me an, an a, it was really amazing actually. Um, so, hmm. You know the the regular practice of incensing a space and you know having a representation of a of a lion um, mm-hmm. or a dragon and then playing loud music is is partly keeping the negative stuff out. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, so when you say the uh... protective lion or dragon, these are these very mm-hmm. stylized. Lions. I have to explain here. These lions don't look like what you'd find in your zoo. No, it looks like a dog. They, um, they, they look more like a dog, and they are, um, to me, they're sweetly, cutely, funnily scary. <laughs> um, it, I, I grew up in California where we had the dragon dancers and we had the lion dancers. And, mm-hmm. at, and um, you know, these were still left over from the 19th century, the, the, the costumes and the parts of the... Of the, you know the here it's, it's the thing that they carry and wear There's and lion dance make every dragon. day. Yeah, so so to me they were they were sweet. They were so cute, and um, I'd yeah. have to say I always liked them. <laughs> they were they, they give they, you in, in Chinese. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Go ahead. So in in Chinese New Year every year, um, most building complexes will hire one of the lion dancers. Um, and, and so we have that every year, uh, a few lion dancers, it'll be two, maybe sometimes three lions will come and, uh, they set up these posts and the lions dance and jump and do acrobatics around on the posts, which are fantastic. Mm -hmm. They play the loud gongs and drums. Um, they go to every building in your complex or your, you know, wherever you live. And, uh, there's a ritual where they have a bound up lettuce that uh, is above the door. The, the lion eats the lettuce and gives, uh, they give chocolate coins to all the children. Kids love the lions. They're, they're cute and fun. But it's part of blessing the space for the year, and it's part of keeping the, you know, the negative forces away and showing that your house is protected. It's, it's, it's a very powerful, fun ritual that's very common. You, you can, in Chinese New Year, you can hang out and, 
each morning you hear dong 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 you go oh that there's a they're doing the lions next door and so you grab the kids and you go down and you watch the lion dance the kids get some chocolate coins you know it's a, it's a regular thing it's great well you know i time. i grew up here in northern california and in the, in the town of mendocino where i lived it for a while there is an old what we call the joss house it's an old um it's actually for the military god which who has a million names but you know yep. they called the him Lord. they called him they called him general kung cuz they were kind of americanized but uh-huh. um he's uh, guan kung or guan yu or well, that guy right they also called him yeah. mo dai um and so they had a, an old temple it was built in 1852 and the temple was there was still a chinese family tending the temple but um when I remember talking to them, and they said, well, we used to have lion dancers here, but we don't anymore. There aren't enough Chinese people left, you know, just the one family tending the temple. And one of the most wonderful things to me that happened was when it became a California State Historical Site, the lion dancers Mm. came back from San Francisco. They drove up in a bus. (laughs) And now Mm, every year they have the, the lion dancers come to Mendocino, way up on the north coast where these Chinese families were living in the 1850s, which is wonderful. Every time you open a new business, you hire lion dancers as well. We've talked a lot about uh, starting something. We've talked about devils as sort of protective figures. We've talked about them as sort of, uh, you know, keeping you safe from other harm. But devils and voodoo also uh, are figures of granting. So one of the things that the devil is particularly known for in voodoo is luck. So if you're doing gambling work or if you're doing luck work or if you're doing any type of thing that requires some bit of fortune, that's the devil's realm. And so you have a lot of yeah. gamblers who have mojo bags uh, uh, created at the crossroads or you have uh, prayers or workings with the devil or candles with the devil that are done for increasing your luck, the green de- devil candle in particular here. So there is a, a way in which the devil manifests in hoodoo that is distinctly associated with luck and fortune and, and, and financial success. Yeah, yeah. Nice. So I, I would um, say that the, the 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 lion characters, in a sense, are a positive side of what a hellhound would be uh, as well. Because I, I see hellhounds in the way that we use them and and can view them as just guardians or or um, gateways to a spiritual realm. That's that's kind of the perspective I have on what that is, uh, which then you can ca- carry across other cultures, and it makes sense. I just have to give out a shout to Evan. I mentioned Guan Yu, and he pulled up the page at air. I just wrote that page last night. Mm. And he found that page, man. Evan. Thank you, thank you. (laughs) Evan says, I was shocked we had one, and now I know why. Yeah, I literally wrote that page last night for two to announce on Tuesday. Wow. All right. So, Leah, let's um, uh, briefly talk about um, demons as sickness and illness. Yes. And because yeah. we've mm-hmm. been we've been kind of leaning on the positive aspects, protective aspects of demons, but there is the in- interesting issue of removing demons from the body, removing demons from the mind. Jesus Christ is well known um, among Christians and even among other people as a remover of demons. And yeah. in in my uh, experience as a Jew, I find that I, I know of nobody better than maybe, you know, Elijah, but Jesus is really the one everyone goes to to remove demons. What do you all um, think about that? 
Yeah, I mean, there, we've been talking about what we call wrathful entities or entities of anger. These are what are called unclean spirits whose yes. presence cause illness in people. So it's almost like a different class of demons. They are demons. But, for example, mm-hmm. in, the, in the Bible, they're known as Shadim, right? A type of unclean entity that when they possess the body or when they're near the body, it causes illness, both of the spiritual kind and of the biological, physical kind. And we find the same thing in, in uh, the Middle Eastern culture with the jinn. There are two types of jinn. There's sort of wrathful jinn or there's d- demonic sort of jinn. And then there's jinn that are unclean that cause things like plagues and fevers, usually through some type of arrow or injection or, or possession. So the, they're, they fall in the same category, demons, but I technically separate them from those that are hmm. uh, sort of protective entities and those that are unclean entities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to me, J- Jesus makes sense because he's a healer and a resurrector, so that he, mm-hmm. he, he represents uh, recovering from negative things, from things that make us sick and ill. Uh, and to me, what opens that doorway, and not not for sickness, but the, what is bad within sickness, or what is what is the evil energy within any part of daily life, is you let it in through fear. You get to it through fear. So for me, the bad demons and devils and things, fear is entangled in that experience. And part of getting getting beyond it is getting beyond the fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I, I think that. Fear as an opening for unclean spirits um, is uh, something that many people in their um, adult life have to learn to deal with. When you know it, you, you read about these things, and until it happens to you, you don't see how fear opens you up to these spirits, um, which we could call psychologically spirits of paranoia, mm. spirits of um, uncleanness of thought, and also spirits of um, hopelessness so that we yes, don't do despair. the things we need to do to keep ourselves safe and clean. The um, Certainly the demonic spirits that are unclean, I'm going to just pass along what I was taught. I've, I've mentioned this before. Uh, many times when people talk about that they have an unclean spirit bothering them, if that spirit has come to you from somewhere um, and has not entered your body, uh, the, the the remedy I was always told was to stomp your feet, uh, your right foot, three times, bang, 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 and say, "Get thee behind me, Satan!" Or in you know, I I send you away in Jesus' name, Amen, or something to that effect. If the mm-hmm. demonic spirit is in your body and you have um, some you know something difficult to get rid of. I always recommend going to a doctor first because that demon is going to attack some bodily part of you. It's not going to be just like all overall collapse of all your bodily systems. Usually, you know, oh, I got bad kidneys, I got my foot hurts, you know, whatever it is. Get a doctor to deal with that body system and then work with trying to expel that demon from your body. But use medicine in conjunction with magic in that kind of a situation. All right, there's our music. Well, this was a wonderful uh, episode, and thank you so much, Stuart, for sharing this Asian ideas too. And now we're going Thanks to go to Evan, me. and he's yeah, he's going to go to uh, we're going to Evan. He's going to bring us our client. Absolutely, stay tuned. The Lucky Mojo Hooter Root Work Hour with your host Catherine Ironwood, Conjurman, and this week's special guest Stuart Palm will be right back. 
Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com, and by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners, located online at readersandrootworkers.org, and by Hoodoo Psychics, the first psychic line run entirely by Hoodoo practitioners. Receive a reading with a trusted root worker instantly. Call one 888 for Hoodoo, or visit hoodoopsychics.com. And I apologize. My computer has just phased out. <laughs> I oh, absolutely no. apologize. Just bear with me one moment. <laughs> I see. Well, we're going to, our, our reading today is with Clarissa. Um, and let's see if I can pull it up. Maybe I can. One of us will get there first. Um, is Clarissa on the line? Here. Ah, hi, Clarissa. Hello. Sorry, we have a little technical glitch here. Are you okay to no. read it, Evan, or should I? I am actually hmm? working on pulling up the post right now. Uh, bear with All right, me. well, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll go ahead. And, oh, here we are. I'll go ahead and read it then, because I have it right here. So. Um, Perfect. Thank you. Uh, uh, yeah, Clarissa says you haven't gone to other readers or root workers about the situation, and the situation question is, looking for advice on helping my sister receive justice for her restaurant. She and her husband went into partnership with family friends after building a solid name for themselves but needed financing. The friend had money and promised to put her onto the paperwork after a year. She has since found info leading her to believe he has embezzled money and may be making plans to totally shut them out and close the restaurant. She wants to cut ties with the partner and take over full ownership. They work so hard building their name and creating all of the fabulous food. He would have nothing if it weren't for their talent and creativity. Wow. Okay. That's a serious issue. So uh, thank you, Clarissa, for calling on behalf um, of your sister. I'm going to ask a couple of questions before we start the readings. Um, What sign of the zodiac is your sister? Libra. Libra. Oh, that's why this happened. I'm so sorry. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. Libra's tend to want partnership. They are good at partnership. They're very good at um, pleasing others. They like to have agreement before they go ahead in things. They make really great team members. They are easy to take advantage of because they're so accommodating. Mm -hmm. So this is what's happened. Do you happen to know the, um, the partner, the embezzling partner sign of the Zodiac? I do. He's a Scorpio. Oh, Lord. oh dear. So Scorpios, um, and, I, I, and I'm married to one, and I love them. My favorite sign of the zodiac. But Scorpios are known for their undercover natures, for the fact that they mm. will keep secrets, and there is no. And I hope my husband doesn't um, hate me for saying this. There is no eviler person than an evil Scorpio. A lucky us <laughs> most. Lucky for us, most of them are not interested in being evil because they make really good evil people. The second most evil people, by the way, are Capricorns, just in case you aren't, you know. Um, If they have an idea to be evil, they can really even mobilize entire armies. Wow. (laughs) Scorpios tend to work alone. Um, So this is, the the Libra is unbearably overmatched by the Scorpio. You see what I'm saying? And needs your help. What sign of the Zodiac are you? I'm a Virgo with Scorpio rising. Aha. See, 
there we have the Virgo who's really good at bookkeeping, who really wants things to be done in an orderly way. And Scorpio rising, mm-hmm. you're willing to go to bat against that Scorpio f- mm-hmm. for your sister. Yeah, I get yeah. it. I get it. it. Burns me All up. right. All righty. Well, I'm going to do um, the first reading, and then Stuart's going to do a reading, and then a contraband will come back and give you some root work advice. So, as I understand it, you're asking sort of for a path. Where is this going to go? Sort of a, a future cast? Is that what we would look for? Yeah, that would be good. Okay. So what I see here is some some really funky stuff, unfortunately, and it's not really good for your sister. Um, the first card is a card that is called the Six of Swords, and this shows a man trying to row a woman and child away across a river. Where they started out is kind of um, turbulent water, maybe a little on the muddy side. The man has his back turned to us, um, it, it looks pretty bad. The boat, the little ferry boat that they're in, this little rowboat, is uh, filled with six swords. But the swords are not stabbing them. The swords are actually stabbed into the boat. So it looks like a great loss for her being driven mm-hmm. away, driven out of something she started, really is not yeah. going to be that bad because when she gets to the other shore, and starts mm-hmm. again or does what she has to do, the swords stay with that Scorpio. The swords are going right. to stay in the boat with the bad guy. So she mm-hmm. may need to be prepared to kind of lose things to make a new start. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, and rather, rather than... Are. Yeah. I mean, she might be able to try to sue, but I don't see that suing is going to get much. She's being pushed into a situation... Uh, right now that is not favorable to her. The next Mm -hmm. card um, for her is a card that I think um, may uh, represent a a good change for her. It's called the Wheel of Fortune, and it shows a, a sphinx, which is holding a sword, which stands for justice, at the top of a wheel, and on one side a snake is falling off. Well, this is this snake like partner um, who's literally a you know, a, a, a serpent, lying for mm-hmm. tongue. On the right-hand side of the wheel coming up is a man with a mask of uh, the god Anubis, the Egyptian god Anubis, the faithful dog companion helper deity. And in the four corners, there were four animals, a bull, a lion, an eagle, and a man, each with wings. They represent the four gospel makers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or the four fixed signs of the zodiac, Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius. And they each have books. They have books, and they're reading the books. So what this says is that if you want her to be helped, going over the bookkeeping is going to be valuable. Now, you're a Virgo and can do that, probably, or hire someone or know how it's done. The books will show the amount of deceit. The books are there. But on the other hand, um, as I said, just moving on may be indicated by this card as well. There's there's a, a kind of a how much do you think you can get from this person versus uh, how much is it worth to just cut ties, move on, and go on to your own uh, situation for her. I mean, not for you. The The third card is says that there can be the founding of a new restaurant. She can move on from this. She should not be discouraged. She should not feel that, you know, she made 
she was stupid and, you know, she should never have signed a thing where her name was not on it. Obviously, we know that now, you know, but um, that's the Libra. They'll let people take advantage of them. And so the third card is a, a very um, happy card. It's called the Ten of Cups. And it shows uh, a couple with a couple of children under a rainbow. And in the rainbow, there are ten beautiful golden goblets. And behind them is a little house and a little stream and some trees. It's very pretty. And this is uh, the card that my friend Deacon Millet says, All My Dreams Fulfill. This is a card that says things will turn out better. It's going to take um, probably starting over. You may be able to get something as a result of doing some forensic bookkeeping, but honestly, it might be better just to start again trying to raise some money and start something. The problem is, of course, right now we're in this middle of this big change, pandemic, and the idea of starting a restaurant is not going to be appealing to a lot of people. But it says she will come out okay. All right, I'm going to turn this over to Stuart, and he's going to do a reading. Hello, Clarissa. Hi. I have a question for you before uh, I give you what I have here. Um, you said that the restaurant is uh, the project of hers and her husband. Did I hear that correctly, or or what was the yeah, part on that? It's her. Yes, it is. It's her and her husband, but she does more of the business because her husband um, is from Mexico, so she's mm-hmm. more on you know doing more of the business side and. They create recipes together, and he cooks in the restaurant. So they built a name for themselves okay, prior. Okay, that makes sense as to what I'm yeah. what I'm getting here. Um, so okay. I am working with just the major arcana from the Rider Waite deck, and, and and so these are going to be stronger sort of symbols, um, but they make a lot of sense. And for the first card, asking the question in different ways, I I asked it three times, and I got the same card, and that is a strong uh, sign for me. And the card that I got was justice. Um, Mm. And and in this case, justice is is what you want to have. It's what you want to see. It's where we, you know, we we want this to be in balance in the end. We want it to get to that place. And I think the the connection there is finding the way to communicate with this person who is doing the wrong thing, who is, who is not uh, honoring the situation. Um, I, I do see this turning around, uh, but I, I don't think that in the long term that, the, that this is going to exist the way that it exists in their mind. There's a change. There's a change in where mm-hmm, this right. goes. There's a change in how this ends up. They don't lose out in mm-hmm. the end. They do feel that justice has been served, but it's going to be a struggle to get there. Now, the reason I asked about the relationship is because the second card I get is the lovers, which confused me at first. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I went, okay, this makes sense because where they prevail is through each other. Where they prevail is to trust each other and to to make this uh, their own thing. And I think that's what happens. I think when we forecast on this, they have to move away from this other person and, and this negative person and subsist in the vision on their own. And um, the reason that I'm, I'm assured of that is my third card is the magician. And the magician shows us that we can manifest the things that we want. And looking at this as a projection in the future, they need to be um, secure in their vision on what they want to create and take the reins of that situation. And that's the process of what's going to happen 
uh, what we'd like to have happen through this uh, experience is to find justice and then make it our own, Uh, in which case she will need to find the way to get her name on things, to get ownership over it so that she can, you know, keep that track online. Uh, What these cards tell me is that that path will happen. It will be a struggle to get there, but you will, she will find her way into that situation. I hope, hope that helps. Yeah, that's really interesting because my card of the Ten of Cups was that husband and wife leaning on each other and embracing. Their partnership is is very strong in both of these readings. So that's important to... Yeah, exactly. They believe in each other. They support one another. That's the strength of this restaurant business. So um, Mm -hmm. uh, Evan says in the chat room, teamwork makes the dream work. That's what it's going to be. This other person has to fall off the wheel, has to go, has to go. All right, we're going to turn this over to Contraman, and he's going to give us some uh, root work for you to do on their behalf. Yeah, so I I would recommend working uh, root work for justice here to expose this person to limit their ability to damage. In particular, if this is a person who's looking to cut your your family out and cut them out, you want to limit the damage that this person can do. So what I want you to do is work with your ancestor. No one is going to be a stronger advocate for you than an ancestor if you can go to the grave of an ancestor particularly a grandparent or great-grandparent someone who is protective of the family and take this plea to them and the way that you're going to work is you're going to speak to them as if you are telling them this story uh so and so grandpa grandma great-grandma great-grandpa whatever i need your help and then you're going to reach out and you're going to slightly shake their grave stone not enough to topple the thing but to to sort of wake it up you're going to then explain this person has done wrong to your grandchild you're going to reach out and shake it again you're going to every time you pour after every sentence you're going to reach out and you're going to slightly shake that tombstone and you should feel a sort of rising up and when you feel that sort of awakening are happening a rising up of the spirit you're going to give them three coins and gather the graveyard dirt Take this and lay it out where this person can walk through it if you can. If they're distance from you, you're going to use the graveyard dirt to dust very carefully some uh, papers that you will send to this person so that it gets on them. But ideally, you want to lay it out where they will walk through it. If you can get to their property, all the better. Put it onto the property so that you attach the spirit of your ancestor who will then work on this person and bring justice for you. Then you're going to work with hot and cold here in order to expose them, in order to bring the truth to light. You are going to take their photo, and on the back of it, you are going to write their name three times. Place this into a pot of water, and then take some salt in your hand. Pray over this salt, because salt will do what you tell it to do. Pray for the salt to expose this person, to reveal them for who they are and place the salt into the pot. Then turn the water on and let it boil. This will bring heat to that person. It will bring pressure to that person. It will expose them. Let it boil for a little bit, then turn it off. Repeat this for three days, adding a little bit of salt, where you pray over it, turning it on, letting it boil, and then turning it off. 
On the third day, you're going to take out that name paper. So ideally, you've put this on some a little bit thicker of a paper stock so it doesn't dissolve right away. But if it does, it's okay. You're just going to fish all of that out, place it onto an aluminum foil. You're going to squeeze lemon on it, cover it with alum, cover it with salt, cover it with black pepper, fold this up, and place it into the freezer, freezing their ability to do any harm or further damage to your family. So this is working with the hot and cold, the hot to expose them and the cold to bind them. All the while, the spirit of your ancestor will be working on them, keeping them from sleeping, making them restless, making them make mistakes, and helping to expose them. So you're working three different angles here, through the power of the earth, which will be the spirit of the dead, through the power of the fire, which is the uh, pot that is boiling, and through the power of ice here with that freezer jar. And the three of this will bring you the justice that you are seeking and help your sister in the way that you're hoping. That's my recommendation. We have got time uh, for both uh, Stuart and Ms. Cat to jump in, and maybe they can uh, share their versions of protection work or other type of works to help your sister. Well, um, what you've got here is earth in the form of the graveyard dirt and the salt. You've got water, you've got fire, Mm -hmm. and you've got ice. It's really... um, very powerful way to work. I love that um, yeah. spell. That spell with the salt and boiling the salt is often used to find the name of a thief, and it can mm-hmm. also be used to punish someone. And um, very powerful work. Cousin Joshua says, multi-level powerhouse work, countrymen. Wow, so true. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have nothing to add to that. I think that's really good stuff. The One of the thing with the graveyard dirt, if you can not get to the graveyard of an ancestor people say oh they were they were uh, cremated and there's only ashes see if you can find some farther back ancestor who has a graveyard or oh they're in a columbarium well take a little scraping of the mortar between the stones or whatever you can if you can't get anything of an ancestor get a photo in these wonderful digital days we can reprint any photo so scan and reprint it and then burn that photo to ash and work with the ash if you have to Okay. Mm-hmm. Write the name on the photo and burn it to ash and then use it. Some people will triple refine that photo and that name. You burn it to ash with quassia bark, Q-U-A-S-S-I-A. It's always been used, quassia bark has always been used when you're trying to convert a name into a personal concern. And you can um, burn it with quassia bark and then you take that ash, you add it to more you can add it to more quasi bark, which you put on top of another copy of the photo, which you do again and burn again, and then you do it a third time on another copy of the photo with the name and the quasi bark and mm. the ash. So you end up with what's called triple, triple refined name. Do you have any I ideas, that. Stuart? That, do you want to add to that? Nothing to add. That's fabulous. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> well, thank you, Conjure. And and. Um, and good luck to you, and thank you so much for calling up with your tougher nature, that Scorpio rising. Take care of your sister there. That's very, very kind of you, and I hope for the best. I, I think that this can be, uh, if not rectified, it'll be a lesson learned and time to move on and have a better success. All righty. Well, here is our music, and this is the music that brings us our network schedule announcement which comes to us in stereo. Mm-hmm. 
LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix LeFay, Fridays, 1 to 2. And Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 7 to 8. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Now it's time to go to our free spell segment with Stuart Palm of StuartPalm.com in Hong Kong. Take it away, Mr. Palm. Hello again, and uh, today the free spell um, is more of a practice. It's it's um, it's my recommendation of what to do to keep the demons at bay, to keep the negative energies away. Uh, it would be a regular practice. This is what I do uh, to keep my space and myself uh, safe from negative influence. Um, so. The mixture here of traditions is a, is a mixture of, of uh, Western magical traditions and Eastern magical traditions. Uh, and the first thing that I'm going to tell you about is what you do in Chinese culture when you move to a new space every time anyway. Um, and this is a, is a spatial cleansing. It's a regular practice. Um, and it's very simple. The first thing you do is you open all the windows and doors and you turn on all the flames or fires, which means you turn on all the lights, you turn on all the the, the eyes of a stove. If, if you know you have a stove in that space, if there's a heating plate, whatever, there's fire created, where there's light created, you turn on all of those. Uh, then you you play a loud noise. You bang pots together. You play a gong. Uh, I have a gong right here. You do this three times, you bang them together, you get the negative energy to go away. Um, That's what what these things do. It it opens a spiritual space and keeps the negative energy uh, away. Uh, Next, I will smudge the space with sage or Palo Santo. Some people don't like sage. And, um, you know, you you use a cleansing scent, um, a cleansing incense to clean the space, to clean the bacteria, to clean the negative energy. That's what it does. Um, another way to do this is there is a sage uh, incense that, that they use often uh, as a Chinese practice. I personally love using sage, so that's what I use. Uh, I use an abalone shell as the dish for the sage, which is a, a uh, regular practice with that as well, and uh, something you get quite easily in Hong Kong because uh, abalone is a delicacy that people have at lots of restaurants. Um, mm-hmm. Now you go to all those entrance spaces and you sprinkle salt um, at the entrance. You you seal the energy. You've, you've gotten rid of your negative energies. Now you seal the space off. Uh, you use salt for that. I usually use a, a rock salt or kosher salt. Um, you don't want that salt that's like table salt. You want you want the more refined, the less refined version, the more uh, natural version of the salt. Um, you put those at the o- openings of the space, and then I put uh, a red chili at the corners of that opening. So if it's a doorway, you'd put the salt across the doorway. You'd put the red pepper on the corners of that. On a, as for a personal um, uh, 
ward against negative influence, you, you'd also could put the red pepper in your shoe. That's a, that's a hoodoo one as well. Um, mm-hmm. After we have the salt, uh, you put a dime or a penny in a prominent space. Um, you, if you have an altar, you put it on your altar, and you uh, you light incense at that space as well as a regular practice. This is to set up a space where you are focusing positive energy to keep the negative energy out. Um, and and now your space is ready. This is uh, you 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 add to this the things that keep you protected. Your own uh, positive uh, gods and, and, and energies that you represent that you add now that you've got a protected space, a space to work in, a space to live in, um, you're good to go. Um, if you're personally plagued by evil forces, uh, I would also hang what's called a, a lighting curse charm. Um, and you can look that up. It's L-E-I-T-I-N-G. Usually this is a coin, and you can actually get these that are, are already made with the spell on them. This is a, a Taoist tradition. And this is usually, this calls on what would be the Chinese thunder god. And right now I can't remember his name, but if you look up what the Chinese thunder god is, um, you, you're calling on his energy to deal with the negative force or the demon. Um, so this is that you're not battling this demon on your own. You're, you're letting, you're asking a god, a, a spiritual energy, uh, something outside of yourself to deal with this on your behalf. And you hang this outside your front door, or you keep this in your pocket, or you wear it as a charm around your necklace, uh, around your neck. Uh, this is a, a way to help aid yourself in, in fighting off that power. And that's what I've got for you. Wow. So um, I'm looking at Wikimedia Commons, and it says the uh, curse charm, the Latin curse charm, has mm. a um, prayer on it which translates as, O Thunder God, destroy devils, subdue bogies, yep. and drive away evil influences. Receive this command of Tai Shang Lao Kun, which they have in parentheses Lao Tsi, and execute yep. it as fast as Lu Ling, a famous runner of the Zhou Dynasty. That's it? Yep. Very cool. Yeah. So that is, uh, and there's pictures of these. And I suppose you can buy these on um, eBay. There's a picture here of um, several of them hung on strings in the form of kind mm-hmm. of like a, the way you would hang wind, wind chimes. And uh, the, so they the would general clank, practice clang and- together. The, yeah, the general practice in, in in Taoist tradition especially is that anytime you do any of these things, you do them in threes. So really, I should <gasps> bang that gong three times. Mm. Uh, so you three coins, three coins is what you would hang outside your door. I see. Yep. All righty. Wow. Um, wonderful. Thank you so much. Um, I am so looking forward to the day when you write us a nice book on Taoist folk <laughs> magic, and we publish it at Yippee. It, it will happen. Ironwood will Institution. Happen. I keep on every time we every time we talk, Stuart. I go that book. We need that book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. We we really could use it at the Ironwood Institution for the preservation and popularization of indigenous ethnomagicology. Um, nice. So well. Thank you very, very much for that. I'm um, going to just uh, give people a little bit of an idea of what is upcoming in um, in our world here. 
we are uh, at present at AIR. We've been working on a new web page every week, and I know that um, people are uh, kind of aware of it. Uh, today, Evan read my mind and actually published the URL <laughs> for next Tuesday's page, who happens to be a, a Chinese military god. So we're having a little Asian theme here. We all kind of poof, went through that together. Um, and by the way, Stuart, you're invited if you want to write about any Taoist deities. We have a whole um, webpage of Taoist deities, needing you just need three paragraphs each if you feel like writing them. Sure. We hope we hope that someday you might join Air. We we know that um, that you and Tony I are kind of fluttering around us like lucky bats. <laughs> we we would love to have Tony I and, and you in air because you both know so much. And I know you're very modest saying, well, you don't know that much about hoodoo. But air is for, although it's primarily based in African-American folk magic, air has room for everybody. It's as free as the air. So, All righty. Well, there's our music. So I'm going to turn this over to Evan, and he's going to uh, give us our outro. Yep. <laughs> thank you so much, Miss Cat, and thank you, Conjure Man. And thank you, Stuart Palm of Earthsight Studio of StuartPalm.com in Hong Kong for being our guest this week. We invite you to join us next week when our special guest from the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers will be Lady Muse of the House of Self Empowerment.com in California. Once again, we've come to the end of another Lucky Mojo Hooter Root Work Hour. Brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find Miss Cat via the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and Conjureman at conjuremanconsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. I am your announcer, Evan Lionheart, joining you from readingsbyevan.com in New Jersey. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour can be heard every week live on the Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and the shows are available in archive via luckymojo.com forward slash radio show HTML. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at the same time when you will hear the familiar strain of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you, Evan. And, um... As I said, things are moving forward in digital land for air, <laughs> for hoodoo psychics, for blues lyrics and hoodoo, for everything. So just keep your eyes tuned to that computer monitor or iPhone near you. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Good night, all. Bye. Thanks, everybody. Good night. <laughs>